Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Yeah, this was a, a rough week. I, I struggle with this message because I, I changed it like ten times. Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes that happens. I don't know if you if you ever preach. Sometimes you you think you know what you're going to speak on, and then uh, it changes and changes again, and then changes again. Um, so I'm 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 very flexible. I'm I'm used to the Lord uh, dealing with me in that way because uh, sometimes I'm not necessarily wanting to some something some some things I'm I'm fine with preaching no problem but some things I know that may be difficult uh, for me personally uh, then it, it challenges me to to go back and say oh, I don't know that's it uh, even though I know that was it from the beginning uh, but. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I want the Lord to change my mind, and he doesn't, uh, which is good for me and also good for you. Because uh, like I've always said, I'm always the first partaker of the word that he gives to me. Uh, so whether it's good or bad, I get it first. And then I so happily and graciously give it to you guys. <laughs> uh, I try not to be as uh, as harsh as the Lord may be with me sometimes. Um, but we're going to be in Acts 20. And I think we're going to stay there. I, I Another thing I try to do is, uh, and I'm not always successful, and you can ask the PowerPoint people, uh, I have a lot of scriptures. <laughs> Most of the time, I have not, no shortage of 10 to 15 supporting scriptures <laughs> in my messages. Leslie is amen. Um, and so I try, uh, I know I'm not very successful, but I try not to uh, bombard you all the time with so much scripture, which is good stuff, though. Uh, but today, I think I've been successful. I'm, I'm going to stay in Acts 20. There are very few places that I will go. Uh, and if I go, I'll just touch on it briefly. Uh, but we're going to be in Acts 20. Uh, and starting at verse 17, and I'm going to quickly go through. I have about 10 points. I'm going to quickly, you, your eyes may be like, oh, my God, 10 points. Uh, and I said the same thing. Oh, my God, 10 points. Um, I'm going to quickly go through the first four and focus more on 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Um, and then hopefully we'll end, we'll end at the right spot. And if not, I preach again in two weeks, and maybe we'll pick up there. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but Acts 20, uh, verses 17, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter, which I think ends at uh, verse 38. Um, uh, starting at verse 17, it said, mine is titled at verse 17, the Ephesians elders exhorted. And so this is where Paul is coming to his end of his stay in uh, Ephesus. And so he is leaving them a message. He's called some people together, and he's, he's done some great things while he was there. And so now he's, he, he realizes that the Lord is calling him to, to move on, uh, and so he's called his people together. And so it says, From of latest he sent for, to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had came to him, he said to the church, and when they had came to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, so, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly, publicly from house to house testifying to the Jews and also the, the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. She's preaching to the Jews and the Gentiles. 
repentance and faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And see, now I am bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. So now he's on his way to Jerusalem, not knowing what things that will happen to me there. I'm going to being directed of the Holy Spirit to go there. I don't know what's going to happen there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. He's not moved by the chains and tribulations that await him, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25, And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. You may not see me anymore. I may not come back here anymore. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn every night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my own necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept freely and they fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he had spoke, that they would see his face no more and they accompany him to the ship. So this is Paul's farewell to uh, the church there, and he brought those elders together. And so, in the beginning, Paul begins to teach on, or just kind of reminding them what he did. You know, those first four things, first four points is about Paul and what he did, what what he did to show them an example before he left. so one is most of Acts, so one that we see that in most of Acts, Paul is an evangelist, but here we see Paul as a pastor almost. He was a unique picture. He was shepherding those people, and he was there for a long period of time. Uh, it says at least three years. Um, some, some people, some theologians say two and a half, two, but here maybe three years that he was there. Uh, it was not, it was, it was the only Paul's speech delivered to Christians which Luke had recorded, it was not surprising that it also delivered to uh, the Gentiles as well. And it says, you know from the first day I came to Asia uh, what manner I always lived among you. And that manner was in serving with humility. So Paul is saying, hey, this is the example I'm leaving for you, to serve with humility. And in a similar pattern, we can 
each to be good examples of how to live our Christian life. This is how we should live our Christian life, as we should be serving with humility. Uh, there is no reason for us not to be so. Even, though, even as a young Christian, we are to serve with humility. That means that it lacks any pride for boastfulness or anything of self-serving service that we do, but we're serving others with humility, not considering myself, but considering others first. And it is more important now because Paul is leaving, so he wants to remind them of this example he had, that I served with humility. I kept back nothing that was helpful, uh, but proclaimed it to you. He kept back nothing that was helpful. So he preached the whole counsel of God. So that was another example he was telling them. He said, hey, look, I served with humility, and I also preached the whole counsel of God. I didn't hold back anything. I wasn't being private or secretive about the word that I was preaching. I didn't preach the things that tickled your ears only, but I preached some hard things that may have been difficult for you to understand, but I preached it nonetheless. And testifying to the Jews and the Gentiles, Paul didn't limit his message. He didn't limit his audience either. He wanted to preach the word of God to all God's people. And that is what he is admonishing those people there in Ephesians, and that's what I admonish you today. It's is not only to serve with humility, but to teach the whole word of God. Wherever you're proclaiming, wherever your sphere of influence is, that you proclaim the whole word of God. I think so many times we get caught up in the world and only teach part of the word that is appealing, that seems good, uh, that tickles their ears, that brings them in. Um, But we have to preach the whole gospel, the whole word of God. And when we're doing that, we also, that means that we are convinced of that word. So it's hard for you to preach something that you don't yourself believe. Um, so you must believe the whole counsel of God. There's something that on uh, TikTok or it was on Instagram, and I'm not, not going to get into details of what it said. But, you know, it, I heard it done several different ways from several different influencers online. And at first I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I can agree with that. And, and, and then the Lord challenged me and was like, no, that's not biblical. What they're saying is, is what the world wants to hear, and it sounds good, but it's not sound. It is not, it is not biblical advice because you can quickly hear some of those quick 30-second bleeps of, oh, you know, that sounds okay or that sounds accurate, but when you filter it through the Word of God, it's like, no, that's not accurate at all. And I was going to go around and give that advice or, or give that as, oh, this is what this TikTok I heard said. And so now, yeah, that's, that's truth or that's gospel. But when you really filter it through the word of God, that, is, that was so inaccurate. Um, so it challenged me, again, to, like, to just be watchful to what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. And I have to filter that through the word of God and the whole counsel of God, not just pieces that I like. Um, have to do the whole word of God. Paul speaks to his future. Uh, He speaks about his future. So in verses 20 through 24, he talks about going to uh, Jerusalem and not knowing what to expect. There's uncertainty there. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Uh, But Paul didn't count his life uh, as, as a value, but the word more valuable than his life. Let me say that again. Paul didn't count his life more valuable than the word. The word was more valuable than his white life, and he was willing to give that up 
Are you willing to sacrifice your life for the word? Are you willing to sacrifice your life for the word? So many times we're willing to sacrifice for maybe people, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and in America, we are blessed that we are not in a, in a society that, uh, that we can, we, we're in a society that we can worship freely, that we can gather in a church and they're not our men trying to prevent us from worshiping. Um, they're not saying that we have to close your church down. Not, this, not at this point anyway. They're not saying that. Uh, we can be grateful for that. But if there were challenges, you know, the challenges we have is weather. You know, if it rains too hard, we may not go to church. If there's snow, there's a threat of snow, we may say, oh, we're not going to go to church. But if there was a threat of your life, it says, hey, you go to church, someone, people are out to kill you. Would that change if you went to church or not? You know, we, we're blessed. Like I said, the only challenges we have is whether if it rains too hard and I don't want to be out in the cold and I change my mind and say, you know, no, I'm not going to go to church today because it's cold out. <laughs> and that's the challenge. But there are places in this world where them meeting together may mean that their life is on the line. And is this word so important? Is this word so valuable? Is this word so life-changing to us that we are able to say, hey, um, I, it is more important than my life. And I'm willing to put my life on the line to share the gospel, to be with the saints. Definitely more important than the weather. (laughs) Paul didn't count his life dear to himself. uh, And it was a joy for him to finish this race, to finish this ministry that he had. Uh, And the gospel, he preached the gospel. And it it wasn't the gospel uh, to tickle your ears. It wasn't the gospel of good works. It wasn't the gospel of social action. It wasn't the gospel of social religious traditions. It wasn't the gospel of just mere spiritual conversation. Uh, It wasn't mystical mumbo-jumbo. It wasn't the hip, true church, uh, the hip church, or the gospel of self-esteem, the gospel of political correctness. It wasn't the gospel of feel good. It was the gospel. And when you do those things, yeah, it's not worth dying for. If that's your gospel, then yeah, that's not worth dying for. But when we preach the gospel, the life-changing gospel, when we're going out into the byways and the highways and meeting the drug-addicted and uh, the backslidden or the atheist and presenting the gospel to them, that's worth dying for because that changes their life. And it changes your life in the process. That's the gospel that's worth dying for. That's the gospel that's worth meeting, uh, confronting the weather and all manner of whatever that may confront you uh, to come together and hear the word. Spurgeon wrote that, yet there used to be, and I'm going to read this, it said, uh, yet there used to be a gospel in the world which consists of facts which Christians never question. There was once in the church a gospel which believers hung to their hearts as if their soul's life 
there used to be a gospel in the world which provoked enthusiasm and commanded sacrifice. Tens of thousands have met together to hear this gospel at peril of their lives. Men to the teeth of tyrants have proclaimed it and have suffered the loss of all things and gone to prison and to death for it, singing psalms all the while. Is there no such gospel remaining in the earth? Paul announces that he will probably not see them again. And indeed, now I know, this is in verse 25, that I will have gone preaching the kingdom of God, and you will see my face no more. He was not going to be among them anymore. And possibly, he was thinking that he probably wouldn't see them again until eternity. He wasn't going to possibly make it back that way. And Paul always was thinking that his death was imminent, you know. I could be killed at any moment because there are people after me because of what I'm preaching. They don't like that. You all among who I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. Preaching the kingdom of God. And they know that they were they could bear witness. The Ephesians could bear witness to Paul preaching the kingdom of God. And we talk about that kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? And we should be doing the same thing, preaching his kingdom. Preaching the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that that entails, the kingdom of God. Not this earthly political correctness kingdom that we live in, but preaching the kingdom of God. Paul said, this is what I do. Sure, I do a lot of other things, but at the core, I'm a preacher and I preach the kingdom of God. And at the core, that's what we should be doing as as (laughs) believers. We should be going about preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Not our kingdom, not our gospel, but his gospel. Paul had a great bond with the Ephesians, and so uh, it was difficult for, difficult for them to hear that he was not going to be around them anymore. Uh, and so they were saddened by that, that, that he wasn't going to be there. But they knew that uh, what to expect. They knew that the fellowship of, of, of Jesus' suffering, that we must have fellowship with his suffering. And if we're going to reign with him, we also must suffer with him. And they knew that Paul would may see great suffering. And that, that saddened them, and they mourned that. Um, but they were also excited of what they had learned and obtained from him. Paul's solemn declaration of his innocence was that, I taught you all things, so there's no blood innocent. Uh, so he says to me in verse, says in verse 26, that therefore I testify to you that this day I am innocent of blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So basically what he's saying is that, hey, I've, I've taught you all that I know, and I didn't hold back. So there's no blood on my hand. I, did, I wasn't deceitful in what my teaching was. I wasn't doing anything wrong. There's no blood on my hand. I taught you, and I declared that, the whole counsel of God. And with that, with clear conscience, he can say, hey, I'm innocent. I, I did what the Lord told me to do while I was here with you guys. My testimony is that I present the whole counsel, and I'm not guilty of anything, any, any wrongdoing. And so then at verse 28, he, this is where I want to really focus on 20, uh, verses 28. Uh, I have four or five points here that I really want us to uh, dig in. Is um, what he encourages them to do once he is gone. 
And, you know, I didn't say um, my title was Where Do We Go From Here? Here, And I purposely kind of been elusive, and we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> uh, but where do we go from here? Where do we go? So I'm sure Paul is saying to the Ephesians, or the Ephesians is wondering now, since Paul is going to leave, where do we go from here? What do we do now? You're going to leave. You've been our main point of contact. You preach. They said some uh, that he would preach at least six or seven hours a day for at least six days a week. You know, and so there. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm starting my six hours now, you guys. So <laughs> I hope you bought a lunch. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but yeah, he would be preaching six hours a day, six days a week sometimes. And people, and, the, and the, the church was known in that area to be a very influential and powerful church. They were known, people that came in that area knew of the Ephesians and how they loved the Lord. And how they looked out for one another. And how they were, so many miracles were done. Paul was so uh, anointed that even his garments, they would take his aprons or his handkerchief and people would be healed because of that. You would have to be anointed to stand up and preach for six hours. I couldn't do it. I can barely do the 30 to 45 minutes I have. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, six hours. Yeah, you had, he had to have an anointing on his life. Um, yeah, and, but it was what he was equipped with because that was the ministry that the Lord had given him to do. And he was faithful in that. But he encourages the people he says, therefore, take heed of yourself. So the first thing he wants you to do before he leaves, uh, when he's gone, is take heed of yourselves. Take heed of yourselves. Check yourself. Check yourself. See where you are. Where is your heart? You know, take your temperature. Take your own temperature. Where am I? Uh, and be honest with yourself. So the Holy Spirit will be honest if you're not honest with yourself. The Holy Spirit will be honest with you. And, and you know, you have those digital thermometers that there's no guesstimate about what your temperature is, right? You can, and and I, Holy Spirit is a digital thermometer. You, you can lie and say, I don't have a fever, but that digital thermometer is going to give you the number. You don't have to look at the old thermometer and kind of guess, well, I'm around this. Nope. He's going to tell you right where you are. He's going to meet you where you are. Uh, buddy of mine, we go running and we run the steps, the monument steps. And we often say that the monument steps downtown Lynchburg will meet you where you are. <laughs> whatever your physical level is, it will meet you there. And whatever great, however great you think your physical level is, it will humble you and meet you there. Um, and we always have a goal in mind as to how many times we're going to do it. Uh, and oftentimes I do not meet that goal. I have <laughs> In my mind, I want to do this many, but my body says, no way are we going to do that. Uh, but take stock. Take heed of yourselves. That's the first. Check yourself. Um, you know, we talked about the um, the Sermon on the Mount, and part of that it was it reminded me of the beam in your eye, and you're trying to get the toothpick out of somebody else's eye, and sometimes we have to be worried about <laughs> our own there's an old song that says, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. <laughs> Sometimes we have to take stock of where we are and sweep around our own front door. And it did not say that you don't talk to your other brother, but get yours straight first and then go talk to him. 
Don't try to get his out when you got your, your, it's like me not trying to help somebody with no glasses on. I can't see. I'm not going to be any help to you. Uh, let me put my glasses on first and let me get my sight right uh, before I try to give someone direction. Uh, but yeah, take heed of yourselves. And then the second thing he says is, uh, and to all the flock. So it's our responsibility to take inventory of where we are, but then also to look after each other. Right? Getting quiet. You say, hey, I can check myself. I don't know about checking nobody else. I ain't looking out for nobody. But it is important. We are the body of Christ. We are a body. We have to look out for one another. I have to be, it's important for me to check on my neighbor, to give you a call, to see how you're doing. If I don't see you this Sunday, I need to check in with you and say, hey, are you okay? Are things going okay with you? Are there troubles going on? Because in the taking heed of yourself and in taking heed of the flock, he reminds us that the people are, <laughs> there's, there's evil that's going to come. But before we get to that, let's, let's remind, let's, let's, let's just benefit in taking heed of ourselves and then taking heed of the flock. And that means that the, the, the leaders will be shepherding and it is important that we feed you good food, good word, um, that we look after you and that we lead you in the right, right direction. And, and this was, again, for the elders, but I think this is true for all of us, that we are uh, feeding one another good food, that we're giving sound advice. You know, we, we will talk to one another before we talk to the leaders most of the time. I'm going to go to George or my neighbor before I go to Sam or so-and-so and ask them the question. So it's important that my neighbor gives me good advice, that they know the word, that they give me good counsel. They're not telling me to live a uh, a wild and life that is abandoning all things and do whatever you want or, you know, Pastor Taylor's not here anymore, so, yeah, you can get away with that. No, that's not sound advice. It's not sound advice. But we are to shepherd, we are to check ourselves and then check on our neighbors. Because, he says, uh, this is God's church. He says in that, he said, this is God's church, and it was purchased with his blood. So it's not mine. <laughs> it's not yours either. It's God's church, and he purchased it with his blood. And so it is even more so uh, to even take good care of those things when it's not yours, right? We, uh, most of us, I can't say all of us, but most of us, if we have something that's not ours, if we borrow somebody else's, we make sure that we take better care of it than we take care of our own stuff because I don't want to damage someone else's stuff, right? Um, when you have a rental car, you're much more careful with your rental car than maybe you would be with your own car because, hey, i got to turn this car back in and I don't want to incur any fines or fees or extra penalties, all that. I'm making sure it's cleaned out. I don't even clean my own car, but I'm going to make sure the rental car is cleaned out when I turn it back in. <laughs> Because we take care of other people's stuff, right? This is God's church. This is his church. And it's so important that we take care of it. Even more so than we would take care of our own stuff. Because he's going to come back for his church and his people. And he purchased it with his blood. 
And so then it says, you know, take heed of yourself, take heed of the, of the, the church, the members, the flock. But then it, he says, take heed uh, that the flock, take heed of the flock because of the danger that is outside. He says, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. There are people who are wanting to come in among you and destroy what you have. The enemy is wanting to destroy, kill, steal, and destroy what you have. In your lives, in this ministry, and in Lynchburg, he's looking for a weak spot to come in and say, oh, this is now the moment where I can destroy them. This is now the time where they seem like they may be uh, weak, that I could come in. And, and, and I would say, no, this is not the time, because we're going to take heed of ourselves, and we're going to look after one another so that there can be no outside that comes in, because we're going to be stronger together. But then it also warns us to take heed uh, the flock because of the danger from within inside. Sometimes when we feel like they're, when mom and dad aren't home, <laughs> that older sibling always try to take charge and act up and think they're in control of everything. I had a, I'm next to the oldest in my, uh, the five of us, and I'm second. But my brother's five years older than me. Um, so he didn't have anything to do with us, the four of us. <laughs> he seemed so, he seemed so distant. Uh, but I often take the role and even my older brother sometimes take the role as the older sibling. My siblings kind of look to me. And I would say that I raised them, even though we're only two years apart. So we're too close. To my, my, my sister beneath me is a year and a half, and the sister beneath her is a year and a half from her, and then my brother is a two years from her. So between the, the next four of us, we're probably five or six years uh, age difference. But I often raised them. I was six, and I was raising them, right? <laughs> That's how that's how it goes, right? You know, you know, you know how it is. But I raised them, uh, and I'm quite sure that I took liberties that I should not have when my parents were out working, as quote unquote older sibling. <laughs> that my parents, if they had known, they'd been like, "What did he say? He didn't have authority to do that. He shouldn't have said that." Uh, and so many times, even when we feel like, "Hey, uh, we have this interim leadership," and you know, they're not paying attention. I can get away with saying this, or I can do this, and this is not the time for that. <laughs> I just encourage you not to do that. <laughs> but we pray that there will be none that rise up among us that try to destroy us. And with perverse speaking uh, and to draw you away, um, but we're going we're gonna to hold true to this word. If you hold me accountable, I'm going to hold you accountable to the word of God. I will not stray. I, I don't know enough to stray from the word. <laughs> and even if I did, I cannot stray from the word. I can't. I can't. Uh, and if I don't know it, then I won't preach it until I got an understanding of it, and then I'll tell you about it. Uh, but this this is this is standing on the We're going to stand on the word. And in this season, we're going to stand on the word. Not a time for gossiping, not a time for uh, rumors and, you know, 
It's a time to stand on the Word of God. Someone may ask you, well, what are you guys going to do? We're going to stand on the Word of God. (laughs) What's going to happen? We're going to stand on the Word of God. We're going to follow Him. It's His church. It's His church. And then after admonishing us to uh, watch out for those who may come from outside and also for those who may come from within, He encourages you to watch. Uh, in verse 31, it says, therefore, watch. So it says, therefore, watch. It says, and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Therefore, watch. For the good, watch yourself. Watch the flock. Watch for what may come out from outside. Watch for what, come, what may come from inside. And in the end, you're just going to watch. Didn't say leave. <laughs> Didn't say turn your back. Didn't say, you know, a whole lot of other things. It just says watch. We're going to watch. And Paul said, Paul um, did care for the church. This was long-term care. He was with them for three years, it says. Here he watched and, and prayed and warned night and day with tears for three years. So he watched for three years and and our watch should be long-term care. Should do, should, we should do it without ceasing. So it's con- constant care. Uh, it's a watchful care to warn. It's a universal care for everyone. And it's a heartfelt care with tears. So we're watching long-term. We're lot- watching consistently. We're watching to warn. We're watching everyone. And we're watching with a tender heart. Not to shame anyone, or to get down on anyone, uh, but with love and with a tender heart. We're watching out for one another. Paul's conclusion in verses 32 and 35, it says, Remember a heart of sacrifice. It says, I commend you to the word and his grace. And in the end it says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is a heart of sacrificing. But I didn't covet your silver, your gold. I didn't go out doing things for money. Um, and with the attitude that it is more blessed for me to give you this word, to give it myself, to give it my time, than to receive. And this is the attitude that we're going to have to have in this season. And I, and I would uh, submit that in every season, that this is the attitude that we're going to have. That it is more blessed. For me to give to you, my neighbors, than to receive. And when if I come in with that attitude, if I come to church with that attitude, not what I can get, not that they must sing my favorite song because it's about me, <laughs> and they're worshiping me, and worship, worship is about me, but it is the attitude that I'm coming to be a blessing to someone else and to give Rather than to that, rather than receive, and someone said, you know, it says it is more blessed to give. And it reminded me of again the Sermon on the Mount where it talks about being a blessing, and this is a more blessed. And so, if you want to be more blessed, you definitely have the attitude of sacrifice, and that I am giving rather than receiving. That is the attitude we want to have. Um. Yeah, this is the season we're in. This is where we are now. And um, I want us to be prayerful. And I want us to, 
Um, it is okay to be sad still, <laughs> to mourn the loss of our pastor. It is fine. It is not. Too, is not. You know, we should. You should be over that. That is. That is not the Bible. <laughs> Even there, uh, in the in numbers, I think they give at least thirty days of mourning, and then sometimes a year. Uh, in certain places where they they mourn the loss of an individual, and so we may be mourning the loss of our pastor for for months and uh, weeks to come, but we are not lost, uh, and we have the word of God to stand on. And uh, in this season, again, I remind you to check yourself. Not when I'm closing, uh, check yourself. Check on your neighbors. Uh, the flock that's here. Be sure that we're checking on one another. Be watchful for what comes in, but also be watchful for what is within. That is that is the word that we're we're not doing anything. The leaders, the uh, transition team, that we're focused on the word of God and, and giving you the word of God. Um, but then also uh, just being watchful and having an attitude that we're coming here to give all the time rather than receive. And I think if we do that, we're going to land in a better place, a greater place, uh, and it's going to be where God wants us to be. And that is where we truly desire, to be and do what God wants us to be. So this is my prayer. Let me close with a prayer, and then we're going to have someone come up and do the blessing. Um, but Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. We pray that our hearts are softened and um we take it serious that we take stock of ourselves and where we are, um, that we look out for our neighbors, um, our neighbors within Cornerstone, but our, even our neighbors without in the city that we need to win for you, Lord God. We pray that we are not afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that is here to save souls. And we pray that we are watchful, Lord God. We know the enemy uh, is wanting to sift us as wheat, but we know that you're our protector and you're covering us, and even in this season, uh, we have leaders in this transition that are are praying over Cornerstone, that are praying for the city, that are praying for the lost. Um, So we pray that we are uh, just not hearers again, but doers of your word, and that we bring in those people that need to hear your word, that need to hear good word and to be a part of this ministry. Not just church hoppers going from church to church, but people who need Jesus, who need an encounter with him. And that we pray that we are bold in seeking them out. Lord, we just thank you again for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your church. And we pray that we look after your church that was purchased with your blood. We come in with a heart of uh, thanksgiving and sacrifice, looking to be a blessing and to give rather than to receive. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.